Welcome to the Elliot Podcast. My name is Chris Elliot, and I'm here with Aaron Elliot. Hey, Aaron. Hello. How are you? I'm doing great. We should probably introduce ourselves since this is the first podcast that we've done in uh, quite a while. So, yes. uh, my name is Christopher Elliot. I'm a consumer advocate and journalist, and you probably saw this on my site. And uh, I am traveling with my son, Aaron. Aaron. Hello, I'm Aaron. Thank God <laughs> I didn't go away, and neither did Chris. I mean, it is. It is his newsletter. Yeah, if I went away, there wouldn't be much. Aaron, uh, what do you do? Like, how what do, you, do I do? Yeah, like, what, how do I do? What? <laughs> how do you do? What do you do? What do I do? Yes, I'm a student, and then I also help with the organization, help at Elliot.org, making this organization wonderful. <laughs> You're right. What are you studying? I think people would want to know that. Well, I'm studying applied linguistics, so that way I can be a full-time translator for my father. <laughs> it is true that you speak your Spanish is really good, uh, and uh, your good German enough. and your French. Ah, uh, German is so good. It's so good. Anyway, here are whatever. And where uh, where are we? Could you just just set the scene for us? The scene is you're in a in a cabin, looking out the window, and you see some volcano and uh, it's like a desert island. I wonder where we are. We are in the Galapagos. We are aboard the Santa Cruz 2, the Hutiruten Santa Cruz 2. And we're, um, we're not anchored, but we're kind of uh, holding right in front of a volcanic island. Yes. Well, and it's kind of a cloudy day, but the seas are calm. Uh, the, the ship is bobbing a little bit back and forth. So whenever we Bob, we lose the satellite and we lose our dial-up connection, and then we, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's as slow as a dial-up connection. It is a satellite it's a connection. satellite can. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so here we are, and um, we will get back to the Galapagos, one of the most beautiful places on Earth, a little bit later on in the podcast. But for now, I wanted to get to our question because we have this feature. We had this feature in our last podcast, and we're going to do it again in this one where we ask a question, and then the next week, we will read all of your comments, which is one of the most fun parts. Mm -hmm. So this week's question is, because we've been traveling so much, <laughs> is what do you miss the most when you're away from home? Wow, what do I miss most when I'm away from home? Wow, it's a lot, a lot I, that I miss. But I would say, what food item? Because that's really what we, we miss the food the most. It's a hard question to answer because there's so much food we just spent the last three weeks in Los Angeles, and we ate all the American food that we could. Uh, until it went out of style. <laughs> Pretty much. I mean, we had pumpkin pie, and we had those pistachios that uh, had... Chili roasted pistachios. Oh, they were so good, yeah. Yeah, you don't get those anywhere else. Those are wonderful. Well, okay, let's hit the rewind button and talk about where we've been since the last podcast ended. So when the last podcast ended, it was three of us. It was you and your brother and me and your brother Aiden, who is now in, we should say, he's, he's absolutely fine. He's in a better place He's now. in a better place now. Aiden <laughs> <laughs> is in Coeur d'Alene, Idaho with his business partner. He was supposed to end up in Vietnam, but it, you know, it was mm. Vietnam or Coeur d'Alene. Such similar places. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I was thinking it was one or the other. Had yeah, to be. It was a hard choice. And anyway, so he's there um, enjoying the nice, balmy, warm weather. Yes, and the tropical, <laughs> balmy climate. And doing, you know, YouTube videos and editing. He's quite the editor. And 
finishing his final semester at the University of Florida. Good for him. Uh, we miss him a lot, and we're hoping that he will join the podcast a little bit later on in the year. But we've been to a couple of places. So, Aaron, uh, take us through this. The last place we left the podcast in, um, where Japan. were we? We were in Japan, but we, we were in, no, we were not in Osaka. We were in Kyoto. Yeah, we were in Kyoto. Yes. I keep mixing them up because it's so close. Right, and then uh, we ended the podcast, and you and I went to Osaka. And uh, give me the Reader's Digest version of Osaka. Oh, Osaka is like any other Japanese city, really, except that the bikes are trying to kill you. That's really it. I mean, it's kind of an interesting place. There's a, a lot of foreigners there, very international for uh, Japan. Tokyo is also pretty, I mean, I would say it's more modern than international, but Osaka is certainly international. Yeah, um, there were not as many parks as in the other Japanese cities ah, yeah. that we've been to. unfortunate. And uh, the weather was a little bit better, but you're right about the bikes. They were trying to kill us. They don't uh, go on the street. They are all on the sidewalks. It's a very industrial city yeah. overall. It's very kind of a postmodern. Um, no, not postmodern. <laughs> feels postmodern, not in the artistic sense. Like it just a, feels like very industrialized yeah. and very, uh, you know, everything's very developed and paved over. <laughs> postmodern. Yes, thank you. <laughs> like what the hell is that academic sense? Mean? <laughs> okay. Well, anyway, um, uh, I we were in a small apartment in Osaka, and it was one of those traditional Japanese apartments. It doesn't really have the furniture. It just has. The tatami mat on the floor. Yes, it was like an eight tatami. Because they measure things in tatami mats in Japan. It was like an eight tatami room where we were all doing our work. Yeah. And we were sitting on pillows because our butts hurt from sitting on that tatami. Yeah, we're not used to sitting the way that Japanese people oh, sit. Oh, yeah. We went from there to two places that are really worth mentioning. One of them is Iki Island, mm -hmm. where we stayed at a really beautiful resort there. Uh, yeah, Iki Island is itself very beautiful. Yes. And, and there are places to walk, and it's very calm. Not at all like Osaka. There's a world mm -hmm. away from Osaka. And also the water is really beautiful oh, there. It, it is. It was, it, for fall, it felt like it was summer. Yeah. And it was, you know, it was very nice, very rural, and uh, not a lot of tourists there at all, really. Yeah, if you ever get a chance to go to Iki Island, I highly recommend it. It's very, like, Hawaiian almost. Yeah, and the best part about it is the transit to there is you go on a hydrofoil, yes. which is like you would expect on a ferry. It's bumpy, but it's a hydrofoil. Yeah. So it gets rid of all the bumps. You're going like 80 kilometers an hour over the ocean. It's a really cool experience. That was the funny thing is I thought we had bought a ticket for just a conventional ferry, and then we ended up having seatbelts. And I go, why would they have seatbelts on a ferry? Then I realized we were on a hydrofoil. <laughs> it was like one of those dumb dad moments. <laughs> what are you doing here? You steward. Anyway. Hydrofoil. Um, <laughs> hydrofoil, yes. How do I translate? I forget exactly what the, the what the transit system was called, but it was it was really, really cool. Okay. Yeah. Fast forward then to the next place, Fukuoka. We oh, yeah. stayed in Fukuoka. Friendliest Japanese city ever, I would say. Yeah, I think that I would have liked to spend more time in Fukuoka because Really, Japanese cities are all very similar, but they differ mainly in personality. And I think that you really see the personalities, for example, between Tokyo and a lot of the different uh, areas, uh, what do you call them, wards within, pre within uh, Tokyo. Prefectures, yes. Yeah. I'm just seeing a dolphin outside. <laughs> oh, look at the dolphin. Squirrel. Yeah. Yes, yeah, look right there. Oh, wow. Oh, yeah. Oh, they're so cute. 
Okay. Okay. Anyway, anyway <laughs> we're gonna be looking at this dolphin. Yes. But like, for example, Shinjuku was like really dirty, but it had a lot of tourists, and it was very interesting. But then there are other wards that uh, were not, and I don't rec I don't remember their names. I don't know. There's something about when you experience something very different that you remember it a lot more. But I think that Fukuoka uh, was very different. It was much friendlier. It was uh, in the south more, and then also yeah. I felt like. I, I wanted to spend a little bit more time there because we didn't really have a lot of time to explore. Uh, Osaka was very different though. Osaka felt, as we said, very industrial. And also it was very international, uh, but not as friendly. <laughs> Postmodern. Postmodern, um, <laughs> yes. Uh, I agree with you totally. Yeah. I totally agree with you. And I wish that we had had more time there. The people there were everywhere in Japan. They were very polite. But there was a friendliness about the people in Fukuoka that I found just nowhere else. Yeah, and I felt like the city was friendlier. Because yeah. I think that for Tokyo, things feel refined. In Osaka, it feels like not just the bikes are trying to run you off the road. And they do it in a very strange Japanese polite way where they just are like, I'm not moving for you. You're on the wrong side of the road. It's a strange thing. But uh, in Fukuoka, it sort of felt like uh, it definitely felt more accepting, it felt more accessible, it felt uh, like the people were not trying to kill you. But it was also Japan, so uh, in a Japanese context, I guess it is so. Korea, we were in Seoul for a week, was all about really just two things. It was about walking along that old railway, railroad, railway. Yeah, it was this garden along the yes. old Japanese uh, colonial railroad. Which was a beautiful walk, mm -hmm. and boy, the South Koreans are so different from the Japanese. Yeah, um, yeah. Even though they eat a lot of the same foods. Oh, uh, no, they don't. They, well, I'm, there's I mean, a lot of rice that's being eaten. Are we going to talk about the cafes? Oh, yeah, we should talk about yeah, that. Yeah, because that's the biggest difference. I think that if you go to South Korea, to Seoul, you're going to notice the cafes. That has to be like the one thing, if I ever go back to South Korea, to Seoul, it's got to do a cafe tour. Oh yes, if you can handle it, because there the, the specialty drink there is the cafe americano. Oh it's yeah, two it's shots commoditized. Of yeah, and it's very inexpensive and it's very very good too. Like yes, they do americanos. Americano is actually one of my favorite drinks too. So we tried mm -hmm. a lot, and also pastries. Got a lot of pastries. Yeah, I was heavily caffeinated most of the time. And sugared up. I think I'm still caffeinated from that, and it's been <laughs> almost a month since we've been there. Ah. The other thing in Seoul that we had the privilege of doing was hanging out with our friends at Korean Air. Yes. And they were in the middle of a merger, so they, didn't, they weren't that talkative <laughs> because of the merger. But they, they really showed us a good time. We had, had a chance to visit their headquarters. I can't wait to write about it, but it's just the timing right now is not very good because of um, this merger with uh, Asiana and with and you know they're just not able to talk that much in the press yeah. so that's why but uh, we we flew one of their A380s over back to Los Angeles and that was a nice experience mm -hmm. uh, we had a chance to actually hang out in their first class lounge and that was really over the top I mean I, I have to tell you uh, we've in the last year we've hung out in three first class lounges we've hung out in Qatar Airways a lounge in Qantas and in um, Korean Air. Oh man, that begs the question, which one is the best? 
they're very competitive. No, no, I think that, no, one is obviously worse. I think we can already <laughs> speak to that, but... Well, I'll tell me which, which one is your favorite. Uh, which one's my favorite? Yeah. You know, it has to be between uh, Korean and Qatar. Um, yeah. So, yeah, yeah. so you can just <laughs> infer which one's not my favorite. I wrote about <laughs> all of them, and they're all fine. But I would say Qatar really is—they—they uh, they take it to the next level. I've liked the food. I, I don't know why, but the food at the Korean Air uh, Lounge yeah. just—it was more memorable to me. They did. They. What was that one Korean dish that they served? Bibimbap. Yeah, I can never say Bibimbap. that correctly. That was really, that was really good. Yeah. Yeah. They did that well. Okay. So now uh, that takes us to the now. Uh, We've gotten a lot of emails from readers saying, hey, where's your podcast? So here it is. We are now in Ecuador. We're in the Galapagos. Uh, But we didn't start in the Galapagos. We flew from Los Angeles to Houston and then to Quito, Ecuador. Quito. And Quito is nothing like the Galapagos it is you know as they say in travel writing a world away it's yeah. uh, it's at altitude it is a more traditional kind of Latin American yeah uh, colonial type town it, you know you, you can't compare it to the Galapagos in any way yeah what did you think of Quito you know it just evoked a lot of memories of St. Augustine of New Mexico, a lot mm-hmm. of places with that traditional Spanish colonial architecture yeah. with the plazas and all of that that goes with it. But also it was Ecuador and there was a lot of, it, I mean, it was interesting just to see the people and the way that they interacted. And uh, also yeah. just to see all the mannerisms. We were with a guide who was Ecuadorian herself. And I think that it was really interesting to see how she interacted with people and having some proficiency in Spanish, you can see like, oh, yeah, this is an interesting way that people sort of uh, get along with each other here uh, in Ecuador and in Quito particularly. Now, the problem is you're probably going to have like a blood oxygen level of like 85% because of <laughs> 25%. the 25%. This is like you're going to be dead, <laughs> yes. right? So we, uh, interestingly enough, we have these watches tracking our blood oxygen levels and wow, the equi- uh, in Quito, it's like 3,000 meters or so 9,000 feet above sea level. Yeah. And that really makes a difference. Like you, you need to you need to acclimate. It's not just time zone change, but it's also just acclimating to the altitude. Because if you're not very physically fit, um, even if you are relatively physically fit, it's going to be a big change. And you really have to uh, look out. You have to take things slow the first couple of days. I know that because. Man, I was exhausted the whole time. You were having a hard time climbing the stairs. Yeah. Our guide's name was Maria, a very common name. And Maria. so we asked her um, about her name, and she said all the women in her family are named Maria. <laughs> so there's a second name that they actually use, and then the mom is Maria. Some people in, in the, some people who have his, like his Spanish names have four names. So it's like... Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know exactly how that works, but yeah, you know, they've got four names instead of three. So from there on to the Galapagos Islands, and uh, and by the way, we're going to come back to Quito, so we will have more to say about Quito, and we're going to be staying at a place called the Mashpi Lodge, which is in the jungle, mm-hmm. which I'm really looking forward to. But for the next couple of days, we're going to be in the Galapagos, which 
you know, we could probably talk for hours about the Galapagos. It is one of the most famous um, places on Earth. Yeah. It is, you know, Charles Darwin put this place on the map. <laughs> really did. It literally, figuratively, I don't know. And it is, there's so much here that just is mind-bending because you don't see it anywhere else. Even the dolphins look different. The birds are different. You have these, when you land at the airport, you have these swallowtail, um, these birds with these huge tails that you just don't yeah. see them anywhere else. Mm -hmm. And uh, then we made landfall yesterday. We, we went on an excursion and we walked and we saw enormous iguanas, enormous, yeah. huge, just sitting there and birds and uh, it, it was, you know, I'm having a hard time putting putting wor this into words because it's yeah. it's just so different from anything we've ever seen. What, what did you think? Well, I think it's quite a bit of biodiversity and I think that's really interesting to see all of that. Um, you have a lot of iguanas, you have a lot of birds. Um, those are the usually the things that people notice the most, but also a lot of different uh, plant life. Uh, for example, there's one bush in the mainland that here is more like a tree. Um, you also have there's these giant centipedes that are the oh, you only saw a millipede, yeah, yeah, giant millipede that was the only toxic, uh, the only poisonous species in the Galapagos. We actually got to see, you know, just per occasion. We didn't just see it; it made a run for one of the other oh, guests. Oh yeah, it, they get very if you get they excited, get they will kind of bolt for you. And they went for this woman, and she was pretty freaked out. Mm. <laughs> that was funny. Pretty interesting. Well, we've only been here for 24 hours, so you can't really talk about it that much, but I can't wait to talk about it in our next podcast, which will happen soon. Now, the one thing that I did want to mention is the, I think the missing element from our last podcast was that we really didn't have a lot of consumer advice, and that's the thing that I specialize in giving. So I wanted to talk a little bit about a common problem that we have found here on this ship and in Quito and in other destinations, notably in Japan, and that is uh, what do you do when you're in a place and there's nothing for you to eat? Uh, a lot of folks have their own special diets. They're like gluten-free or allergies. low sodium allergies. Oh, low sodium, especially if you have liver or kidney problems. Yeah, and so, which one. so there you are, you're traveling and they're serving you something that you can't eat. And you know you don't want to be rude about it and say, I'm not going to eat this food. But really though, once you're over that, once you've you know, had a nibble maybe out of politeness, what are you going to really eat? What do you do? So yeah. Aaron, what I thought we would talk about what we do. How do we overcome? Because we've been on a plant-based diet for a long, long time. How do we get over that? And you know, you, know, you land in a place like Quito and breakfast is an enormous spread with eggs and sausages mm. and meat and everything is like it's drizzled in cheese and we can, can't eat any of it. Yeah. So there are three main aspects to this I think that I would give personally. There's planning, there's storage, and then there's negotiation. So the planning aspect is you have to know what you want to eat and you have to know uh, when you want to eat it. And you also need to know, like, if you can actually access those things. Okay. So, for example, so in Japan... Brass tacks for us yeah. is, what do we eat? We are, for us, it's oatmeal. oatmeal. Right. Oatmeal is easy. Oatmeal you can make almost anywhere. And you can get oatmeal almost anywhere. Almost, so, for, ex yes. for example, in Japan, 
there was not a lot of oatmeal just because it's so rice dominant. And when you find it, it's the really heavily refined... Uh, Scottish blow. We call it Scottish blow because it's almost like a powder. Yeah, and so you have to really plan for that. You have to plan for those occasions. But luckily, even in Japan, you can get oatmeal. Um, but there's probably other things that you might want to plan to eat. I mean, if, you, uh, if you're not as restrictive as us, you can probably plan to eat like lots of rice, but even then, you need to figure out what it is that you want to eat, when you're going to eat it, and if it's available. That's a part of the planning. You have to make sure that it's available before you get hungry. Exactly. And so the second part is storage, mm -hmm. which is making sure that you have, the, you have this food when you need it. And so mm -hmm. a part of that is storing it, for example, in a tote bag. I would choose a tote bag that has a sleeve that'll connect to your luggage, so that way you can uh, travel very easily through airports yeah. and, you know. And, and let me stop you right there because, because we have learned that lesson the hard way. And I wanna make sure that if you're listening to this podcast, you don't make the same mistake that we did. We've traveled with any old bag for many, many years. And what happens is that we get maybe a tote bag and we will put it on well, like pull the uh, rail up on our the little handle on our bag and we'll try to drape the tote bag over the side of the rail kind of to hold it on. But that's not the most efficient way of doing it. And, and, and when you start pulling it, the bag will come off mm -hmm. and, and it's very, very annoying. So the solution is to get one of those. What do, we have two of them now. What are they? Yes, so they have they are tote bags with sleeves and zippers. And the sleeves and zippers are the most important part mm -hmm. of this bag. So it'll give you enough room for the things that you want. It'll give you a zipper so that way if your bag falls over or something were to happen, nothing spills out. Yeah. And then the sleeve is so that way when you're going through an airport, you don't have to worry about the bag falling around or if you make a sharp turn, then the bag like uh, it, it twists and then changes the weight distribution and then it falls. That would be very unfortunate. We have two. One of them we got in Japan and it's great. I don't even know what the brand is. Hapitas. Happy, yes. H-A-P-I-T-A-S. Uh, yes, thank you. That, that's my favorite one. But we also have one from Travel Pro. It's actually um, sold as a, a woman's uh, bag, uh, but I really, it, I, don't, French. I really don't the, care. I don't care. <laughs> it's, it uh, the hoppy test is a little bit better. It has there's a little bit of a tighter fit on the sleeve, yes. and but they're both great. And I would never. The nice thing is you can fold them up too. Ah. I would never leave home without them. Those mm -hmm. are m my favorite favorite things. And you can. Here's the other thing: is when you get on a plane, the flight attendants don't even look at it. They just say, okay, that that's full of groceries. You can take that with you. That's yeah. your carry on. Yeah, exactly. So the thing is usually. Though the, what we had to do, unfortunately, was we had to check our bags. So we have each of us three things now because we've managed to downsize. Um, we have one rollerboard, one backpack, and then one tote bag. And so with this configuration, you can generally get onto any flight um, yeah. just with uh, by checking one of your bags because they'll say, oh, well, usually on a plane, we can let you uh, bring on one rollerboard and then one a personal item. So if you have two personal items, then they'll just look the other way and check the rollerboard, and that usually works. Other times, also, they just say, "Oh, it's a bag. It's probably filled with uh, things that they bought from the airport," and so we'll yeah. just let them do whatever they want with it. Yeah, there. I mean, I wouldn't try this on Virgin Australia. No, never. Or Jetstar, or 
uh, Allegiant or Spirit, those are airlines where they will they'll stop you. But exactly. on all the others, I think you should be okay with this configuration. You may even be able to do a backpack, a rollerboard, and one of these. Exactly. So the third thing that you need to keep in mind when you have uh, when you have a situation where you can't eat the food is the third the third aspect of it is negotiation. So I remember this point when we were in Abu Dhabi airport and we had nothing to eat and we were sitting around waiting for our flight and we had time but we were also starving and I remember it was you and Aiden and me and so what we decided to do was go to a restaurant inside uh, it was inside the airport but it was uh, it was by a hotel and in any case we had to ask them to give us a bowl and to give us hot water so we could make ourselves some oatmeal because unfortunately they had no food that we could actually consume so negotiating is really important you need to if you have access to one really negotiate with the people in service taking care of the food yeah and and whatnot there's a lot of negotiation that goes on there's negotiating to bring your food onto the plane sometimes they'll try to stop you especially if you have we have nuts sometimes they don't like you taking walnuts with you or seeds chia seeds I like putting chia seeds and walnuts into my oatmeal and there are times when that's not allowed or they I mean Australia was a really good example where they didn't want us to take oh, they wanted to take almost everything away and we were just like hey if you if you take that oatmeal we're not gonna have anything to eat and they're like oh, all right mate you can take you can keep that you know <laughs> but they were trying to take all our spices too and they got almost half of our spices yeah yeah because they had no labels on them yeah well uh, our question of the week again is what do you miss the most and I cannot wait to read your comments what do you miss the most when you're out of the country Aaron for me oh, I really miss all the foods that I used to be able to get in the United States there's a certain type and flavor of food that you really only get in the United States. You know, they add that little bit of extra maltodextrin or whatever. You know, I don't know what it is, but definitely the flavors in the United States are something that you really can't compare to anywhere else in the world. I think that the only place that I've had food similar in sort of quality and flavor profile has to actually be South Africa because European food even is different mm -hmm. and food down here in South America is different. It's all based on a sort of different palate. Are we in South America or Central America? I, I, mm, I don't know. We're even... South America. Central America would not be. We're right on the equator here, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're in South America. I think, well, for you, the first thing that you always reach for when you get back is those uh, chili flavored pistachios. Yes. Those the are wonderful chili, chili roasted pistachios. Yes. Those are really expensive, but if you get on that Costco, they're not as expensive. <laughs> yes. I miss Costco. Shout yeah. out Costco. I really miss Costco. Um, I, I don't even know what I would say is my most... I miss a lot of things in the United States. I miss being able to go into a coffee shop and have everyone understand exactly what I'm saying and, and understand my jokes too. Yeah. Uh, you don't get that in... I mean, in other countries, they will say yes, and but they won't really understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. But when you're back in the States, they understand everything. And I, I do miss that. Yeah, but there are also other things that you really can't get anywhere else. For example, the United States has some of the best Apple options imaginable. Yeah. They also allow you a nutritional yeast. Nutritional yeast is not something that you can easily gather in most other countries, even in Europe. So 
That's one thing, if you're a vegan particularly, that yeah. you'd really miss. There, there, are, there are so many foods where when I get back, I go, oh, I really miss that. California strawberries is a really good example. Anyway. Yeah, strawberries aren't really as good out, uh, outside of the no, United there's, States. The, there's really, California strawberries are, are amazing. We have come to the end of our first new podcast. The I guess we're just calling it the Elliot Podcast now. Mm -hmm. uh, don't forget to leave your comment with the thing that you miss the most when you leave the country. We would love to hear from you. And we will be back next week with more much more detail on the Galapagos, more problems, more questions. Don't forget to answer the question though, because we are, we're gonna have, a, we'll spend an entire section of the podcast reading your questions and answering them. So thanks so much for joining us and we will see you next week. Ciao everybody.